Welcome to the Rising Warrior Podcast. We are here to provide a holistic approach to the betterment of warriors, helping warriors bridge the gap in their healing journey, find themselves, find who they truly are, and provide tools to help themselves and in turn help others. We are here to break the mold and discuss what it takes to thrive in life. So, let's rise above together. Today, we are talking with Will Hinkson. Will spent five years as a Force Recon Marine Infantryman before giving school a shot. After a short stint of school and surfing, he was still feeling get disconnected to those around him and ended up transitioning to a civilian contractor position. While a contractor, he would eventually go on to work for the State Department. Towards the end of his private contracting time, Will helped open up the first CrossFit affiliate in Kabul, Afghanistan. Upon leaving the contracting world, he would go on to open up his own affiliate in the States. During this episode, Will shares about his journey from active duty to contractor, his struggles upon leaving the military and the contracting world, how starting a family helped him get real with how he wanted to show up in life, how his journey eventually led him to a current position as a CEO of Sales Sniper, and so much more. And as always, if you find any of this episode entertaining, interesting, or valuable, please share so that this information can get into the hands and ears of those who need it. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the show. Will, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Um, trying to get you on for gosh a while now <laughs> you're yeah, a tough go ahead a couple of months i think yeah you're uh mr mike bledsoe put us in contact and uh you're a tough guy to nail down you got a full schedule i have uh i describe it as an aggressive schedule uh for, like for better that. or worse I, I don't like the word busy i like the word yeah aggressive is my new one <laughs> Or productive schedule. Uh, it's trademarked, man. You can't take that. Okay, fuck. <laughs> Damn it. All right. Um, let's again. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Let's start off with a little background on yourself. Um, your time in the military, what you did, and then the transition process out of the military into what we'd like to call civilian life. Yeah. So the career spanned basically ten years. So five years in the Marine Corps. Um, ended up coming to recon Marine, kind of that transition into MARSOC, uh, got out after about five years over there, um, three deployments, and then thought I was going to go back to school, become a travel writer. I was in Southern California. I was surfing like twice a day, struggling to interact with humanity besides just having drinks with the boys at night uh, and hanging out in surf beach towns as you do, and then going to school. And then I got a call from an old friend of mine who had kind of been doing some uh, overseas high threat work for some of the various agencies. He was running a project and he's like, hey man, I would love for you to kind of um, come on this project with me. What do you think? I was like, uh, kind of looked around. I was like, I'd like a view of the ocean from this rad house that was this old British couple that had five boys. They built the entire downstairs. So they never had to see them. It was like totally insulated. And then it, it was like, probably guys like a six million dollar house now in carlsbad and you had a view of the ocean but i was paying like 600 bucks uh a month wow. for my room and it was all recon marines in there and i'm looking <laughs> around but i was bored out of my mind and i realized i was like oh, i'm feeling a little stagnant and i and i was so in that transition still i was like i feel displaced and like i don't really quite belong here and i was like yeah man 
that sounds good. He's like, cool. It'll take you probably about nine months to get the clearance um, for what we were kind of doing. But uh, in between now and then, let me connect you with some other friends that have some projects that you don't need a clearance for um, initially, as long as you, your DOD is still active, uh, your TS over there. So I kind of hopped over there. What started out as, yeah, I'll do this for six to nine months, make sure I finish up my degree, led to the next five years for me. Wow. Hmm. Um, you, you mentioned uh, the transition process, kind of uh, not knowing where to go, not knowing what to do. Um, and we hear about that all the time. The, the idea of identity, where one thing in the military, and this is all we do, and you get into the civilian world, and it, it's a clean transition. It's a cut. There's not like, hey, you know, kind of tiptoe into the civilian world. It's uh, next day, you're a civilian. Um, having to change your identity. And it almost sounds like you had a, a fun time trying to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. And to that point, right? Like, cause now they have, not that it's any easier. I think the transition from what I've seen for almost everybody, like <laughs> great transition, terrible transition, seems about 18 months for everybody <laughs> until you find some sort of footing that's solid. Um, mine was fairly abrupt. So I'd just gotten back from my third combat or uh, third deployment second combat deployment. And then that was Fallujah. So, and they'd flown me back early, right? Like they had that, you know, advanced party advon thing. They're like, Oh, Hey man, we totally missed this. Like you're, <laughs> you should be extending again. So that way you have time to EAS. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> right. Like you're asking me to extend so I can stay in, so I can do the administrative work. I was like, how long does it take? They're like, Oh, well, you just have to turn in some gear. You have to go to like this transition class where you write like a very shitty, maybe the worst resume <laughs> I've ever written in my entire yeah. life. Yikes. Right. And you're sitting there like just listening to all these people. And then you have to do the exit paperwork and all that stuff. And I was like, okay, man, like that doesn't sound like I need an extra three months. They're like, yeah, but there's a rule. Like you have to have at least three months before you transition out or before you, you actually get out after you come back. And I was like, yeah, cool. You guys didn't catch that. And I'm not going to sign that paperwork. Mm-hmm. And they were like, okay, that's fair. And then like, <laughs> like the Sergeant Major was like, well, no, no, you have to. And I was like, Sergeant Major with respect, uh, this got missed. Like, and I'm, I'm not really willing to sign that. Like, what are we looking at here? And he was just like, fuck you, man. And he's like, (laughs) he's like, fine, we'll just, we'll just speed everything up. So I had like, it was under a month from like, got home from Fallujah to, I was surfing twice a day. And wow, Wow. it was a, yeah, it was fast. So, and I was just like, you know, I was still avoiding trash bags on the side of the road, like that kind of, that kind of transition. Right. And it, it was just like this. It was just so odd. It was so otherworldly, right? Because it was like high stress, doing what we always do. You're there with the boys. You're doing everything, but you're just aggressive, angry, uh, doing everything that, that we do to make sure we do a fucking great job in that world, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Into like, I, I don't know. I guess like I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go surf again. Like I'm gonna. <laughs> I guess I'm gonna go surf again. Like I, you you really didn't think about it. Like it was just over for you right after deployment. Or have you yeah. had you had some inkling towards the end, knowing that it was coming at least? 
Yeah. So, I mean, that was a pretty hot and heavy deployment. Uh, so that one was the end of 2007 for me. Mm. Um, and that was, uh, that was a fairly aggressive time. Mm-hmm. So Fallujah had calmed down a little bit, but there was a town called Karma. If you guys have ever been there, familiar with it. That was, uh, man, that place was always just super aggressive, right? Like that was, I grew up in the Detroit. I describe it as like oh, the, the Detroit of Fallujah. Um, like it's, it's like, it, it might get a little bit better for a little bit, but it's going to go right back to it. Oh. <laughs> right. So it was kind of that, it was a pretty aggressive schedule, um, aggressive mission set that whole deployment it was coming back to just being done and i was like you know it's like uh the thing that i actually struggled quite a bit with my transition this might be a little bit of the side but throughout that whole time and actually recently up until uh, fuck guys probably about a year and a half ago two years ago was like knowing that i had this like i'm pretty good at what i do now inside of the business world and all that stuff but i was built for that like i was fucking built for that whatever that genetic code is, that's mm-hmm. like, yeah, man, you just belong hunting humans. Like that, that thing I have, mm. but that's really hard to explain to like a normal human being mm-hmm. outside of like mm-hmm. our group where you're like, Oh yeah, cool, man. Like tell me more about how you brew your own beer. And you're like having these conversations and it's, it's not bad. It's like, I'm also thinking about like, cool. That guy seems aggressive. But I'm like in my head, like, oh, if we got into a fight, that'd be fine, right? And it's like in your head, like you you just have not, it's just such an easy thing to always be programmed to go, oh yeah, I might have to kill that person. And it's like, it's not bad. It's not good. It's just what it is. But like, how do you explain that inside of the world where you, I just felt, right. and I was like, oh, people like, and so I did probably the unhealthy thing, which is like, oh, I'll just either not present this piece of me and they're all just wait until I'm around the boys. So when mm-hmm. my friend called and was like, hey, man, we'll be at kind of this overseas gig. Would you be interested? I felt like I was like kind of shying away from who I was. And I was like, mm. yeah, yeah, I would be. Mm. And that kind of led me in there. So that transition for me started out as not a transition. It was a failed transition starting out from the Marine mm-hmm. Corps into the civilian world where I thought I was going to be travel the world and be a travel writer that was i i know in retrospect it sounds ridiculous um but i was like oh i'm gonna go write for outside magazine men's journal whatever i'll just go do adventures i'll be the fucking ridiculous human being that i am that's driven by adrenaline and bad decisions uh, and i'll just document all of that because other people seem to think this is cool whenever i get drunk enough to tell stories at parties um and then i'll just do that for a living like that that was legitimately the entire plan that i had for my transition perfect so (laughs) it it sounds like when you transitioned you didn't technically transition you just transitioned to the civilian side of what you do yeah so i ended up going into you know what's kind of popularized as contracting Mm -hmm. um on on our worst days called mercenaries uh (laughs) on our best days called direct hires and all of this stuff right essentially you're doing a lot of the same job that we did inside Mm -hmm. of the military. Everybody's still driven by that sense of purpose and and patriotism and all of that stuff. Right. Um, You just got paid a lot better for it. Um, And then in a lot of cases you got a little bit cooler gear, but a lot less support. So Mm -hmm. it was kind of a weird thing of it. Like I remember towards the end of my career and I, I wrapped that up with, I was uh, 
running this thing called the Embassy Liaison Unit uh, out of Kabul at the embassy there. And then, uh, <laughs> right, and I was, I was ahead of this thing. And uh, I'm leading it, and I'm going in every day, and I'm going into the Intel brief with, like, General Dunford, right, before he actually became head of the Joint Chiefs. He was head of um, overseeing that entire theater. Super nice guy, by the way. All the ambassadors who you're on a first-name basis with, all these generals and everything else. And the weirdest thing about this, right, because I had five years in, right? I was a sergeant in the Marine Corps when I got out. But because of the position that I was in now with State Department with the high threat program, I had all these generals calling me, sir. I'm watching these one-star generals getting treated like total shit by some of the three and four-star generals, which blew my mind. These full bird colonels who are basically admin assistants that are getting totally shit on because they're trying to earn their next star. And all of these guys are calling me, sir. And it was just this surreal experience of like, what the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> you went from sergeant to equals with three and four star generals. Yeah, it was the craziest thing. Mm. It was like, what the fuck is going on right now? But the thing that it allowed me to do inside of that transition, because I wasn't ready to fully leave that world. I just was so burnt out by the time my Marine Corps career had kind of come to an end. And at that point, they were offering what, you know, before I had success in business and all that. But it was still a pretty good reenlistment bonus. They're like, it was, I think, whatever the highest multiple they had ever offered because everybody was getting out because everybody was burnt out. Uh, it was like 130 grand. Mm -hmm. I chased sniper school my whole time there. And I just, the it never lined up. I'd gone through pre-sniper <laughs> and all that stuff, but I was still a dirty pig. <laughs> I really wanted it, even though I'd run the mission. And I was like, oh, I really want sniper school. So they offered me that. They offered me a reenlistment bonus. And I still was just like, there's got to be a little bit more to life than just this. Mm. I was so burnt out by the end of that. I was so angry that I had to get out. And contracting ended up being kind of this perfect world for me where I had to become more of a professional to engage with everybody else. <laughs> Right, because the State Department considers themselves the antithesis of DOD. Guys, we're mm -hmm. we're the blunt weapons. Mm -hmm. They're the people that actually drive what happens and how they drive diplomacy, and then as mm -hmm. well as kind of developing countries. Right, and 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 you know I say that tongue in cheek, and they're not mm -hmm. total. Everybody's like that, but it's mm -hmm. it's they're highly educated. Like a lot of people coming from Brown, a lot of people coming from Yale, a lot of people coming from the Ivies. Right. And they just have different ideas about how that works, which is actually a good thing. But it was just this, I think one of the reasons why uh, I ended up doing fairly well in that role. If you guys can't tell, I'm not super introverted. I'm kind of okay with talking. Mm -hmm. um, but the other thing was like, they needed somebody that could communicate what we were doing with those guys and bridge the two. So mm. that way it wasn't always like these <clears throat> diametrical opposing positions, which is ultimately what my job kind of boiled down to there. I was much less running and gunning and going out and running as ASCs and that stuff. And instead coordinating all of that, deconflicting, doing all that stuff. It was, I never thought I would be the dude in the headshed, but for a while I was the dude in the headshed up towards the end of my career. And mm. then I decided to get out and just be done with all of it. Uh, but before that I had kind of an interesting journey. So it yeah. sounds like your, your contracting gig, set you up for where you are now it was your baby step yeah it was the thing that led me to having to become more professional mm -hmm. um and it also just gave me time right like there's i and i worked all throughout the contracting world but 
at the end there, especially with that kind of gig for state, it was much more chill, right? Like you still get mortars, you still get the occasional grenade over the wall in the safe house and stuff like that. But like, um, like the likelihood you're going to get shot is pretty small. Like the likelihood you're going to get blow up, like it can happen, but like, it's, it's relatively small. So all of a sudden it, it went from this like very fast paced life into there's still a lot of shit to do, but it's not quite that. Like we're not kicking in doors. We're not doing that. Like we're just making sure people don't get shot or blown up for the most part. Like mm-hmm. that's, it's, it's actually a little bit more mellow. You have to think through it a little bit more. Um, but it, it was way chiller, which was a good thing. Yeah. You operated on this super, super high gear in Iraq as a recon Marine. And then you sort of turned it down just a little bit, still in a similar environment, but operating completely differently. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I imagine you, they gave you this opportunity to see it in a larger scope too. Like being a sergeant on a team is a totally different experience. You're basically like a... I don't even know what the equivalent would be, but uh, yeah, you, you, we went up like 30, like 20 ranks, you know, quote unquote in, in the I military. skipped everything. It was mind blowing. <laughs> yeah. Like it was absolutely mind blowing. So, like, so when you, happened. when you, you went tactical to strategic, I imagine, uh, well, operational more likely, but what was that transition in, at least in like the way your brain was able to connect these dots? From I got to go on this mission to here's the what's going on on the battlefield, this broader thing. Yeah, I think a lot of it was uh, the frameworks. And now I describe this like if I'm developing executives or doing any of that stuff, like I describe it as like mental models. But I pull all this from all the same shit that we know, right? Like as dumb as like and as much as we, I don't know, anybody else come from the Marine Corps background? Like where are you? Yeah. So you remember SMEAC, dude? <laughs> And you remember yeah. us just fucking making fun of that and be like, shmeak, yelling uh-huh. at each other back and forth. <laughs> like as stupid as that shit is, what I realized is like, it's a little bit dumber on a team level. Uh-huh. It is absolutely required at a higher level because you have to have these frameworks to start to disseminate information across everybody mm-hmm. and to get a common vision of where everybody's going. So that way you can empower somebody to actually do the right thing without you being there. Right. That was, that took me longer to, I think, adopt to than I care to admit, because we made such fun of it inside of the Marine Corps. Mm. And I, it was always like tongue in cheek and it was like shit that needed to happen. But at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, but fuck that. Give me a sandbox and let's just talk through this shit. We'll figure out and go out and like this dude's building IEDs. Here's where it is. Lay this out. Here's the building structures. Here's what we're going to do with ISR. Here's how we're going to hit from like I was so used to just running with that stuff mm-hmm. that I uh, I underplayed the importance because I was being a dick and had made fun of it for years of how important those mental models were to take something down, get buy-in on an entire planning side of it, and then roll that out to not only the people that you're talking to, but like people that are, you know, four layers, five layers removed from you across the entire country. Right. So that's mm-hmm. where that became more and more important. And I think a lot of that development for me and professionalism for me came from like I had somebody uh, on my team at um, Sales Sniper, which is the company that I'm a part of. Uh, they asked the other day, they're like, because in they're starting to come out up in account management and they're like, hey, you did that really quick. Like you saw the problem, 
you heard the client say it and then you adjusted and then kind of came up with the plan really fast. Like, how'd you develop that? And I was like, oh, because I was like the, the thing that produced a high level of dread and anxiety in me mm. back when I was running overseas was I wouldn't be able to find that, fix it and communicate that really quick. And then I had to explain to somebody's family why their dad died. And they were like, <laughs> and I was like, I said it so offhandedly because it's the truth. And they were just like, bah. and I was like, oh, right. Audience, <laughs> audience matters. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Wow. So you're, <laughs> so now your, your skill building now is still translating a layer even lower to be like these, you know, I don't. It's really interesting the way you're you're describing it to be able to go from um, I was an officer, so I, that SMEAC, OSMEAC thing I was doing constantly. Yeah, um, we were making fun of you, man. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I was a logo too, so I had to do it on several oh, levels. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were right in our sweet spot of making fun of. Exactly, I was the guy. Um, <laughs> sorry about but, that. No, it's all good. Um, and what you, what you notice is like the value of it, and now. I imagine how, how much it's like showing up in your mm -hmm. life. So um, to go back a little bit to where you were uh, in Iraq, uh, we heard that you built a gym out there or started a gym in Kabul. Yeah, over so, in Afghanistan. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, so I was and working that for was around that time? Yeah, so this okay. was right, uh, would have been probably a year and a half before I got, you know, I said, called fully retired. Basically, I just said, like, I, I probably can't with all of this anymore. Mm -hmm. um, it's weird seeing behind the veil, but I got, you know, slightly disillusioned and all that stuff and just said, ah, you know what? I think I'm, I think I'm done. I think this race is, this race is complete for me, but a year and a half before that. Right. So I transitioned into kind of this higher level role and I was trying to come to terms with the fact that I was a fobbit, um, and kind of, <laughs> you know, eating, eating on the embassy, like next to a pool while like we have guys going down and banging down in Marja and I'm seeing them coming to the embassy after like, clearly they've been, They've been doing the hitter stuff and we're talking all this stuff. And I was like, who am I right now? What the fuck is happening? Mm. And I was like, and I was always fairly competitive. So I was fairly competitive in CrossFit I kind of <clears throat> competed in that for a bunch of years. Um, and then I, I used to get up fairly early. So I would leave the safe house, would come into the embassy. Um, I would typically start my workouts around four. I'd wrap up around five and then rest of the day. Right. Cause I ran like a, Still a little bit of a maniac, but not quite what it was those days, right? Like, it was just like, burn it down every day. Let's fucking go. Uh, that has effects long-term. But oh, back yeah. then, I was living living that life, right? Okay. So I would wrap up my workouts. Um, and then there was a like a CrossFit group at the embassy. And I had taught and trained with a bunch of high-level CrossFitters. Back in the day, I used to do it on my leave. Like I would just go visit really high level gyms and I had friends that were competing and training and I would just kind of hang out with them for a month. Like I'd, I'd sleep on the couches. Like mm -hmm. I was just, I was a drifter essentially on my leave, right? It was mm -hmm. kind of what it amounted to. I was either surfing or I was crossfitting or <laughs> both or getting in fights <laughs> or trying to, you know, all the things, right? That we um, but they had asked me, it was this group of eight and I, I, I had went long one day and I was like, I was watching him. I was like, oh. and I, I wasn't going to be the guy that said anything. Right. Like nobody likes that guy going, Hey man, can I make a suggestion to you? And you're like, no, 
I have no interest in what you're saying. So I never really said anything, right? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but I was looking at them, right? Especially some of their overhead stuff, some of their uh, Olympic lifting. So clean and jerk and snatch, Jesus Christ, especially some of the muscle up work. And I was like, oh, their shoulders are about to fly right off their bodies. Like they don't know it, but like half this group is about to get injured. Yep. And I was like, cause it was still, you know, relatively early days of CrossFit. It's somewhat matured, but um, injury prevention, not really everything was still a little bit ego back then. Um, and I had somebody break my ego down at a very deep level, basically <laughs> called me a complete asshole. Uh, and then, but then taught me how to build it back up. And I, I was very fortunate to have that experience with a dude named James Fitzgerald um, oh. and, and kind of go through that. And uh, so I'm going there, but I was like, Oh, I'm not going to be that guy. And I just kind of waved to him and said, hi, you know, keep up good work guys. And then, you know, I'm walking off to go take a shower and, uh, Eventually I saw those guys in the chow hall and they were like, Hey man, you look like you're pretty decent at this. I was like, yeah, I compete and do all the things and all that stuff. And they're like, well, cool. Like, what do you think about coaching the class? I was like, well, I'm already getting up at four. I need to be done at five 30. I was like, I could probably split the, di- I can give you guys, like you guys have to go 30 minutes earlier and I'll start 30 minutes earlier. And let's just see what happens. Like, let's try it for a week or two. My schedule is pretty aggressive. And I'm just out there like working out the things, right? Like all my aggression that I can't translate into operating day to day. I'm just trying to take out on barbells and rings and double unders and burpees, mm-hmm. all things and all this, like, right. As, as we do some uh, kind of successfully, but not really. So I ended up, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Working with Successfully them. as in, as in you can lift heavy weights and go really fast. That's success in that world. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Right. So it's like, and it, and I think we eventually had people that lifted a lot more than me at the embassy, but at the time I was, I was deadlifting, like, not that it really matters. It's just numbers for numbers sake, but it's like five thirty. Nice. You know, squatting like four ten. um, bench was over 300. I can't remember what it was. I had like a two twenty five grand time and, and all these oh. things that don't really fucking matter. Right. Oh. Outside of CrossFit. Right. But, but they look impressive to somebody who's in that world. Wait, wait, you don't put your friend time on your resume. <laughs> no, no, that, that's actually what they taught me to do in that Marine Corps resume class. That's like... <laughs> so, the, so, I'm doing, so I'm doing all this stuff, right. Started training with them. And then that kind of expanded pretty fast. And I had some friends that were on level one staff and I was like, Hey, can we get some of these guys certified as level one instructors? Like, yeah, man, let me send you over code. We'll get a discount. We might be able to get it free. So they kind of got some, so guys, it, it blew up right at the embassy. So we had like 127 people. We had started an official like like nonprofit affiliate. It was the first one at an embassy anywhere in the world uh, with me. And there was uh, one of the foreign service officers that kind of helped out over there, a friend of mine. She was, we put the affiliate under her name and, and kind of did all that stuff we joint managed it and we the really cool thing about this right because i was trying to find this outlet for me and i realized i was kind of unfulfilled there and i thought it's because i wasn't operating it's just because i i wasn't uh i just wasn't stoked on what i was doing anymore like i just realized like i i there's you know experiences or everything i was like i i don't know if i can fully get behind what we're doing that much based on you know, a variety of different things. And I was like kind of becoming disillusioned. But the Mm. thing that I anchored into back then was that embassy or that 
CrossFit affiliate there mm. because what I saw was dramatically different than what I saw the rest of my day, which was we had ambassadors coming out to this. We had third country nationals. So a lot of the Filipinos that are filling some of the support roles and, and Kabul embassy is fucking huge. Like mm -hmm. it is a city, man. Mm. Like it'll take you a good 45 minutes to walk from one end to the other. Wow. Yeah. Like legit. That's like, that's like two miles. Yeah. Wow. It is legit big. And like some <laughs> of that, you got to get through like, you know, some security checkpoints, but, yeah. but it's fast, right? right like you're right. Like, not bad. Go through. Like it is, it is gigantic. Right. But I saw yeah. cause ISAF headquarters was connected to the embassy there. And there was like kind of a place. Mm -hmm. So I saw people coming over from ISAF. So all of a sudden we had all sorts of nationalities. I mean, knuckle draggers like me. <laughs> and then we had ambassadors. We had third country nationals. We had Afghan locals. And like for that period of 45 to 60 minutes that happened at various times with various people teaching throughout the day, it didn't fucking matter. Like mm. you just came in, everybody was doing the same thing. Everybody had the same goal of kind of bettering themselves. Mm. And you watch, cause it's like, it's, it's a little bit weird like in terms of like almost like a caste system, mm -hmm. which the military is anyway, but like it's even more pronounced throughout the state department and over there, but all of a sudden everybody was equal. Mm. Nobody really gave a fuck anymore. And it gave me such, and I didn't even realize I was like happier, like within a few weeks of seeing it. I was like, it's weird. Why am I, <laughs> where's this, where's my hate and discontent? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, all of a sudden I realized like, oh no, no, I, I have hope. Like, this is hope. This is weird. Mm. And I remember talking about it with a friend of mine that was helping me out a little bit. Um, <laughs> it's kind of an interesting cat. So former seal, who's doing some contracting work as well. We connected really high. He was a really high level crosser. He got super pissed. He actually told me eventually, he's like, Hey man, for that first three weeks, I wanted to beat the shit out of you, but I just couldn't beat you in any of the workouts. Like I was so fucking frustrated. <laughs> He's like, I was the number one across ISAF and the embassy until you got there. I was like, hey, man, it sucks to suck. <laughs> <laughs> but he, uh, he, he had a heavy background in yoga. Mm. So we used to run these early morning, he did, yoga classes on like a Wednesday morning. But he couldn't go full yogi because he was still a SEAL. Mm. So it was funny as fuck, guys. Like he couldn't <laughs> bring himself to do like bells chiming and like yoga music. Ah. So it was all like Rasta, like reggae. That was as close as he got. And then like, he'd, we'd be going into like warrior one, warrior two. And then he would just look over at somebody. Like he'd be explaining the poses perfectly. And then, but he'd be like, yep, good. Go and extend your hands. Steve, don't even fucking try it. You know, you can't get that with your shoulder. <laughs> if you're a total piece of shit. Just stop. Just go back to the other one. So, so no gentleness like, at all. <laughs> it was so, it, yeah, it was hilarious. Like, I love that. So that was good. That helped me kind of uh, get hope that there was a little bit. I think my biggest concern throughout that whole thing, I was like, oh, I, I just don't think I can do anything else. Like, I think this mm. is probably the pinnacle of whatever career I have, unless I stay mm. here, keep doing this work. And that you started really running out of running out of uh, uh, whatever that's called the runway in terms of your career. Yeah, I just realized I was like the only like. I had a business degree, but it might as well have said like speed and Googling before the timer runs out, you know? <laughs> yep. And it was just like, where do I go from here? And mm. that's what led me to 
Cause I, I knew when I was done, but it took me a while to transition out and to really come to terms with that. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I was like, well, what the fuck do I do from here, man? Like, I'm not going to go sell widgets. Mm-hmm. Which is hilarious now in the current role that I'm in. Um, <laughs> right. And I remember looking at like friends who had gotten out and joined like insurance agencies. There's nothing wrong with that. Like they had families, all that stuff. But like, I just remember thinking like, I don't think I can do that. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I will fucking implode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I really struggled with that for a little bit. And it's like, well, what the fuck am I going to do? And that's where it was like, that's the, the nonprofit affiliate gave me that outlet. It was like, oh, I'm going to start up a gym. Mm-hmm. So you, you had your initial transition from the Marine Corps, which is really a, a transfer of some of a little bit. Um, you got rid of a little bit of the knuckle dragging. You picked up a little bit higher level work. It allowed you to see this larger perspective. Um, I want to, before we go into uh, that next transition, this identity crisis and coming, becoming a full civilian now, no, no longer with clearance and all that other stuff. Um, what, without too many details, obviously, whatever you're comfortable sharing, what was it that peeking behind the curtain that gave you a sense of, you mentioned disenfranchisement or, or you were disappointed or whatever you had in your, in your mind about what it, what the military was, it wasn't supposed to be doing somehow you felt you changed your perspective. Yep. Um, yeah, it doesn't break any NDAs or any of that stuff that I probably still sit on. I know I still sit on, <laughs> um, <laughs> there it's, it's weird, right? Like we're all, we're all a function of like what we think we come into. And I had that thought in the military and I, even after five years of doing the thing and a whole bunch of deployments or at the time, what I thought was just three turns out it wasn't even a third. It was about a third of what it would be. Um, but at the end of that, I was like, Oh, even with the hate and discontent inside of my heart coming from the Marine Corps doing the thing, I still had this thought behind why I did this and what it was. Mm-hmm. And that kept going. And, and was a little bit of a driver inside of why I could do that work. And like, I never really struggled with that work. I still, to this day, good, bad, indifferent. I don't really struggle with any of the combat stuff. Mm-hmm. I struggle with the stuff I wasn't there for. Right. Mm-hmm. And I struggle with the fact, or I, I don't anymore, but the thing I struggled the most with was the fact that I wasn't doing it. That's actually the hardest piece. There was the hardest piece for me, but the disenfranchisement came from, it's a weird story. It was jazz month, guys. Weird way to start any story. Um, and we had um, a senior official over in the State Department. She had coordinated and flown in on your tax dollars and mine. Well, I mean, we weren't paying taxes over there because we were overseas. But uh, she had flown in this, this band, which is fine, from Chicago, this jazz band, into Kabul for like this gigantic party, right? So all of the various leaders from kind of, you know, all the international places that we're cool with and some that we were only kind of cool with. Um, you showed up to the embassy, so you coordinate this party. My team is coordinating. They're coming in. They're doing all that stuff. I'm up on the rooftop making sure everything's running good, all those things, right? And everybody is going ham. I mean, going fucking ham and good on them, right? Like, if you can do it, do it. Enjoy it as long as everything's still happening the way it needs to. 
So everybody is getting obnoxiously drunk at a, God, this is a stupid fucking story, at a rooftop party with a jazz band from Chicago in Kabul when things are fucking popping down south and in Wardak, right? I mean, fucking going hand, like the friends that I had that were still doing the thing, like I would see them and I'd be like, how are things? They're like, ah, it's busy as everybody. Like as busy as we were in Fallujah. They're like, pretty close. Mm. God damn boys. Good on you. All right. So back to the rooftop, everybody's getting fucking shit faced. Right. And I mean, this is a weird thing where like you're experiencing it and everything that comes with that. Now everybody needs an outlet. I'm not going to judge anybody for this. Right. We all need our outlets. The hard part for me was the next morning we still had that brief, that Intel brief. There were decisions being made uh, by my perception of people that were not in a uh, physiologically mm. in a state mm. to make those decisions that were driving some of the missions that my guys were on down south. And that was something I really struggled with. And I, it was literally that day. And I was like, oh, I'm done. Mm. Like I, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't actually like, cause I had all of this thought and I was like, this, this may not be as big of an issue as it is in my head, but the things that have led to me getting to this point over the last, that point, it would have been almost nine years, eight and a half years, whatever it was. Right. It took me a while to transition out of that role. I was like, I had a belief as to why these missions get built, how they get built. And what I thought the decision-making process was behind that. Mm-hmm. My perception of that was it was off. So I knew I had to be done. I knew it right there. I was like, oh, I'm done. But I can't mm-hmm. quit today because I have an entire team. We built this division up from the ground up for state. And I have a responsibility to these guys. But what in the fuck am I going to do? Mm. And that was the journey that led me to building out everything and making sure we had the right replacements behind me. Um, and then eventually opening up the gym. Wow. Yeah. That's a really, um, it's a really, really specific and really tangible, uh, experience in what I only saw personally, uh, at a strategic sort of, uh, level, you know, I, Personally, I got to see it essentially like at in a strategy course with a bunch of majors and shit, like talking about like the National Security Council and State Department. And so like I I link that thing from like, you know, I'm at LAR Battalion in 29 Palms training with a bunch of guys. And then I go to this course and I go, wait a second. This isn't making any sense here. It's not really connecting the dots here. It's, It's interesting that you got to see it so vividly. Um, mm. and then to, to have the implications of it. Um, yeah, that's amazing. Um, so CrossFit gave you this opportunity to, it's interesting that this happened all at the similar time. You, 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 you found this out. You're like, fuck, I cannot do this anymore. And I'm imagining that you have thought about it, experienced all that on your own journey. But in that moment, you're like, I had to find a different way to express myself you know, figure out something else. So what is the transition between your, your now second transition, basically, uh, out of the military-like services into fully being a, a civilian? What was that transition like and what was your decision to go move on there? 
Yeah, I mean, it was because, like I said, it was uh, the decision was almost made for me that day. Like I knew as soon as it happened, it was like this isn't something like oh I might be done. It's like nope, I'm done. I just can't leave yet, mm-hmm. and I can't let down my guys. But mm-hmm. I'm done. This this is over. Um, so there's that. And then I was like, well, let, let me plan this thing out. Let me kind of find this thing that I'm good at. The only thing that came up besides going to combat over and over again and doing that mission. <laughs> turns out it's not a great business, like career path, you know? Um, Pigeonholed. Kid, you stay really small. Yeah. yeah. All right, great. Um, <laughs> I was like, well, I don't want to do anything in the tactical world. I, I struggle with that world just because it's a lot of... Um, and, and if you're in that world and you're listening to this, this may not be you, but I'll tell you my perception of what I felt like coming into that. And I've got some friends, uh, one of my super close friends, dude named Rudy Reyes. Um, he, he runs like the big party at a place called Chat Show. Every year he, <laughs> he tends to invite me and I, I just politely, and I, I love Rudy to death. Like I do almost anything for him. Just tell me, hey man, it's not really my jam. If you really want me there, I'll come. But like, it's not really my jam. He's like, ah, no brother, it's cool. I struggle with any time we kind of look back at what we were Hmm. and then we try to just take that and move forward and make things out of it that it wasn't Hmm. because my real big concern there um you know for a long time i was like oh i felt most alive in combat and doing those things right not just in a combat but like in like i felt very 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 at home there it's a little Hmm. fucked up um but i was like but fuck it i don't care like i'm willing to be honest enough with myself and now i'm honest enough to say it out loud um to you with that yeah. and i was like well what do i do right and how do i kind of circle this i'm losing my mm. point now but um within this like it was just it became this thing of like the only thing i can think to do mm. is i've helped grow this affiliate like mm. it probably makes sense to do that and just take that forward so then the journey and the transition to your point mm-hmm. is like created a business plan on a spreadsheet. I was like, ah, oh, this thing's super easy to grow to, to a millionaire. Turns out it's easier with a spreadsheet. It took me a lot longer <laughs> to, get, not to get a business there, but uh, eventually figured it out. But fuck me, that was a journey. Um, but kind of transitioned out because I was like, oh, this is the only thing I can see like impacting. I was like, what would give me enough to care about to show up every day to do this? I was like, it's probably not money. Like I just, for better or worse, it's never been a primary driver. I don't turn down money, but it's just not, that's not a super primary driver. I was like, so I kind of came up with this thesis in my head. um, That was like, like, what do I think will actually make an impact that I can actually like go a hundred percent like balls in. (laughs) I was like, I think it has to be something that's, small positive like interactions day to day that leads to long-term change in a community in a human being all of that stuff because i watched it play out at the affiliate inside of where it probably shouldn't have right like mm. that was the most dangerous embassy in the world at the time everybody's under a lot of stress everybody like again there was this weird cast system i was like i think that i think that is the thing that i can bring forward into the world in the way that I won't get bored with 
and I can devote enough to it and it'll be a little bit bigger than me. Cause I knew if it was something just for me, I wasn't going to stick to it. And I was, it was going to be a problem. And the way that I describe this to friends is like, um, <laughs> somebody asked me a long time ago, this has been kind of a consistent theme. They're like, Hey man, what's the difference between somebody, you know, by some appearances have had some success in transition, like everything's relative. Right. But it's like, what's the difference between somebody that's a veteran or a combat veteran that ends up where you are or somebody that ends up homeless? It's like, dude, it's like four fucking degrees. They're like, what do you mean? I was like, absolutely. I could have ended up there without a doubt in my mind. I could have ended up there. Like it's small experiences along the way that guide you back on track. Cause that 18 months going back to what we talked about in the beginning, mm-hmm. it's a fucking journey and you feel all over the map. It's, I mean, you guys have been there just as much as I have, like it is an emotional roller coaster. Mm-hmm. It's a life roller coaster. There's all of this shit, like the likelihood that I'm running somewhere in leadership for an outlaw motorcycle gang running drugs or fucking homeless or just still getting in fights and being an asshole, right? Versus being the CEO of a company that's doing 25 million a year. It's like four degrees. Like it is not that big of a difference in my mind because I, mm. I've walked this journey. I know where it is. I was ready to go one route and I didn't give a fuck. So I, I wasn't at, I didn't know that at the time as I was transitioning, but all I knew is I was like, oh, it's gotta be something that's a little bit bigger than me. Otherwise it just won't hold my attention. It's not gonna work. Like I knew that. Mm. So like I, I kind of tongue in cheek say this, but like the likelihood that business chain, like probably saved my life mm-hmm. is, is really high. It's hard to know anything without it happening. Everything's retroactive or retrospective, mm-hmm. but the likelihood that having something that I could devote myself fully into and run forward like a fucking maniac of which I did. I learned a lot of lessons and had made a lot of mistakes growing that company. Um, it's just so fucking high, man. So it's just that it's like, how do you find that thing that you're still working through some shit? Nothing's perfect. You're trying to figure out your way through, but you've got enough of something you can pour into that keeps feeding you back kind of these positive experiences. You can feed them back and get you through. Mm. Interesting. It's, it's, um, what I'm hearing is, um, you, you took this externalized version of purpose that was given to you either by the military or who you were working for out there in, uh, when you worked at the state department or at least contracting with them. Um, you saw this, this growth of this, all the people in this gym, the connection, the, the essentially, Hey, leave your rank at the door situation. Let's just, let's just work out and get better here. And you translated that into your own personal, now mission to be able to put this together into a company you literally using all the skills that you've been kind of it sounded like uh um you're like an octopus with a bunch of different skills and you're now starting to put it into a excel spreadsheet for a a business plan um and and it, it it's really interesting you bring up uh you know four degrees away from being homeless because uh it does happen for a lot of vets and in not everybody goes to that extreme. Some people just have a really, really hard time, uh, uh, to begin with just being out of the service. And, uh, one of the things that we like to talk to, um, 
people about is, or at least I do that, you don't necessarily have to figure it all out within the first year or 18 months. It's going to be a little bumpy. It's fine. Pick something. Just do it for a little while and start to and begin the process of now self-examining enough to know yourself and what you care and want to do in the world. Um, because you're not going to find it out right away. It's going to take some time. I promise it's, it's, this is, it's identity cultivation. That's what I've, I've heard it called and what I really enjoy calling it now. And, uh, it sounds like you, you did that, um, in a way that enabled you to really funnel all these skills all at the same time into your, into your business. Where did this business go into it, Please. Yeah. Um, and I was going to say like that, uh, cause everything you're saying is spot on. I think the hard part, if you're listening and you are newer in that transition or if you experience this and you're still unraveling some of those emotions, <laughs> right? Which happens. Um, it's like, how do you start to do that and know what you're doing is actually moving you forward? Because I think one of the hardest things to do when you're going through a really hard journey and there's no necessarily end in sight, right? It's not like getting through a selection course. There's no, there's no end of, yeah, there's no mission at the end. Yeah. Right. This is just like, you're on this journey, but it's driven by like these experiences, these emotions, these things that are coming up. It's like, how do you know that what you're doing is moving you forward instead of backwards and you can stay with it? From my experience, that's been the thing that like me and a lot of my friends have struggled with. And I think what I just keep boiling it down to, it's like, well, cool, man. What do you like about that? What do you like about this thing that you could be doing? Whether it's, mm-hmm. and I, get, I don't want to shit on people that get out and sell insurance. I just, I didn't understand it at the time, right? It's like, mm-hmm. well, what do you like about that? And I remember asking a friend who did that, like, and we'd gone overseas together. He was really good in combat. And I was like, dude, can you explain this to me? Like, I just, <laughs> like, I, I don't want it to come across, but I just don't understand it. Like, can you just, mm-hmm. what do you like mm-hmm. about this? And I was just trying to understand it back then, but it translated over as I was helping you know, kind of helping people with some transitions, just as you do with people you meet. Um, and he's like, you know what, man, I really enjoy talking to people and giving them a sense of security. Mm. And I was like, cool. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm an asshole for judging you on this. Um, that makes total sense, man. That's fucking mm. rad. So I think yeah. there's a little bit of a piece inside of that, right. Of mm. like, how do you move forward knowing and, and the real simple, easy filter? It's like, what do you like about this? What don't you like about this? If you like it more and you don't like it, it's probably a pretty good start. Yeah, that's a really great <laughs> way to say it. We, we, um, we like to say, is it serving you? Does it serve you? Like, are you actually getting something out of this? Or are you, are you stuck in a loop? You can usually tell if you're in the wrong place when you're looping. You're yeah. like, wait a second, I've fucking been here before. It's similar behavior, mm-hmm. similar conversations, similar interactions with people. Those are like the telltale signs of your looping. And you got to look for another way. Um, or we invite you to look for another way. How about that? <laughs> um, so Look t- for another way, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. This is the aggressive version. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Depending on who you are, you may have needed that. That was for you. <laughs> well, I say that yeah. lands for I'll, some people. I'll give you the soft end. He can give you that one. Um, so uh, there's you, a joke there. Nobody? Yeah. Nobody can <laughs> oh, I, I thought it. I thought it. I thought it. It's fun. 
So you're done contracting. You're into CrossFit now. You're growing this business. Um, what um, I'm really interested to hear about your first, how your business went, and second, how the hell you ended up in sales. Um, yeah. It seems thing, to man. be, yeah, it seems to be a, a really interesting transition, especially for. Um, I know some guys who are in it now. People who would like, like, it seems like what what you enjoy, which is like quick. Like let's 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 create a system. Let's apply it. Let's let's figure out what people need. Um, you know, it seems to be that the guys who are very decisive jobs in the military really like this type of sales sales roles. So I'm curious to to hear that transition. Yeah, I'll give you the the short version, right? Because that's yeah. been uh, we caught up on the the first decade. This has been the the next decade. So I'll give okay, you the great. short version. Awesome. Um, which is grew that business up you know, it was doing, you know, numbers don't matter, all that stuff, but eventually sold that, got a little bit lucky if I'm honest about it, but sold that to a venture capital firm. Mm. Then from there came in, partnered with a production company. Uh, I was their CMO for a while. Again, got a little bit lucky, had an exit there, started up more of a consulting thing. And I was doing a lot of one-on-one consulting with companies and I was just helping them grow, which I really enjoyed but it was really time heavy. It was really, you know, focus heavy and all that stuff. Again, I didn't mind and it was good money and all of that stuff. And I, I kind of enjoyed it. Uh, and then my daughter was born or my wife got pregnant. Right. And I am self-aware enough to know that I go really all in on shit. Like I, mm. I just, there's no, I'm not, a, I'm a person with people that compromises easy but I don't compromise my core values and I don't compromise outcomes. It's just, I, it's not who I am. I, I, I quite literally cannot do it. I like, I just, it will not happen. And I was like, Oh fuck. I was like, I'm, I'm going to be a terrible dad. Like if I'm running a company, I'm going to be a fucking terrible dad. Mm-hmm. And my, the, the man who raised me, it like came into my life and then my mom's life at three, right? So my biological father bom- like bombed out of the country when I was born, right? So single mom until I was three, all that stuff. And I was like, well, that's super shitty. And I was like, you know, and as a kid, you struggle. Who would do that? What did I do? All these things. And eventually you have to go through a lot of self-discovery and hopefully unwrap it. Uh-huh. I've got a fairly unwrapped it in a pretty good spot. Um, but I remember thinking it, it just had shifted me the same way that I knew I was done with... Uh, like I had to be done inside of kind of the overseas world. I knew at that point in time, the way I was doing it had to stop. So like, it doesn't matter the amount of money it brings in. Right. And I, you know, caveat, I'm extremely fortunate. My wife makes really good money. She is uh, like top 100 uh, trauma and critical care surgeons mm. in the nation. So she makes plenty of money. It's fine. Right. So like, I, I didn't have that hanging over my head. So let me, it was an easier decision for me and I don't want to, underplay that for somebody primary looking at bringing the money, all that stuff. It's a different, it's a different game. So I was very fortunate to be in that position, but I just remember thinking, I was like, Oh yeah. Being a dad's way more important to me. Mm-hmm. So like, I just basically shut down the company. Like I, I minimized it, the very small handful of companies that have helped grow over the years that still needed, I felt still needed help. Um, and we're really fun to work with as well. Matters. Um, I kept doing a little bit of consulting to them. I still do it to this day because I've 
I, I, you know, they're, they're borderline like one of the guys, right? Like, even though some of them are girls, like it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's that same sense of kind of family. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I, I don't, it's not about payment. It's about this is a relationship, you know? Mm -hmm. So those, I still kept a little bit, but I was like, oh, I have to be done. I was like, what else am I going to do? I was like, well, it's got to be something that's got like job independent or uh, excuse me, location independent. It's got to be something that I kind of enjoy. And it's got to be something that, um, you know, at least brings in some sort of money. I have to feel like I'm kind of somewhat contributing <laughs> financially to the household. Like I'd like to at least cover whatever our normal yearly expenses are. And I was like, I was talking with some friends, like, hey man, you've done literally like probably a 10,000 fitness sales and other sales across all of this, across all the last like eight years. Like, you want to just do sales? I was like, ah, maybe. And I kind of thought about it and there was like a program that I had gone through and I was one of their first clients and I'd, I'd really kind of, I saw the results I got. I was a big fan of the owner. He had announced offhandedly, he's like, oh, I'm getting ready to bring on salespeople. And I just, I hit him up actually in like a Facebook messenger voice note. It's like, hey, Dan, hey, man. If you're open to it, I would love to throw my hat in the ring for the sales rep position. Like I'm kind of getting ready to move out of owning a business with my daughter being born. Um, let me know what you think. He hit me back and he knew my business and it was doing okay numbers at the time. Like I think we we're at 115, 120K a month. He's like, are you sure you want to do this? And I was like, yeah. He's like, but why? And I explained it to him. He's like, oh, that makes sense. He's like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'd love to have you on. And that started me selling full-time because I went, again, kind of back to this framework that I created of like, where do I feel like I've gotten the most help over the year and I can provide the most value? And business is a journey, as you guys well know. And it was like, oh, I can tie back a lot of my success to finding a place where I kind of either knew or didn't know what I don't know, but I had somebody walk me through, explain this in a really good way and brought me into those programs, coaching, mentorship, whatever it was. I paid an exorbitant amount of money in my head at the time, right? Like somewhere usually between 10 and I think the most expensive one I ever paid for was like 65 grand for the year, right? It's like, I was, I was like, but I saw the results I got on the back end because I was willing to put in the work. But I could also point to terrible conversations where I didn't join stuff that I wish I would have mm. years later. And I'm pointing to great conversations where they were a really good salesperson, but it didn't serve me as I came into that. Mm. So I was like, oh, I think it's that. I think this is it. And so that led me kind of coming into sales. Um, I eventually moved into like the sales manager role there and I was still selling full time. And then that brought me into a world of a guy called Jeremy Miner. Um, ended up working one-on-one -on -one with him, going through, he's a phenomenal sales trainer. Um, and then that brought me uh, funny enough, the guy who did that call and sold me into that program, which was uh, 15 or 30 grand, I can't remember, uh, was a guy named Marco Cortesi. He's one of a uh, very good friend of mine, but he's also a guy I work with day to day. And we work hand in hand over at Sales Sniper. At the end of that sales call, which I thought was super weird, and he's got um, English second language, Italian's first. He's also probably one of the best salespeople I know, period. Mm. Full stop. Um, at the end of that call, he was like, and I won't even try to replicate his accent, but picture in a, a, like a Mario or Luigi trying to tell you this. He's like, hey, man, I want you to come work with us at Sales Sniper. 
and I had negotiated a pretty rowdy deal as sales manager over with the guy that I was selling for. And I couldn't believe he agreed to me. Like I was, it was a starting point in negotiations and he just said, yes. And I was like, <laughs> all right. Okay. Um, and I was like, well, thanks brother. I appreciate that. Like super flattered. Um, because I knew how talented he was and what they were building over there. I was like, I, I already have a job pretty happy in it. Like they're great people. I enjoy like having these conversations. Like I can believe in what we're selling, all that stuff. And his follow-up game was fucking relentless. So Marco hit me up one to two times a month on a regular basis, just to support me, see how he was doing. And eventually he would again, reoffer me the job. So he did this for a while. And then eventually they ran a course, like a quick, I think it was like a four or five week course called Congruence Academy, uh, which like resonated at a deep level with me. And it was all about hooks and how do you shift somebody's identity with these things and all of these things, right? So I hopped into that just to learn a little bit more, sharpen, sharpen the sword. Um, and then I met Matt. So Matt is uh, Matt Ryder, um, who founded Sales Sniper. He's also, he was the CEO of at Seventh Level, which was Jeremy's company, the guy that I worked with. That's, and I started to understand the relationship more. Mm. Um, but he had a stupidly similar background to me, but also, he's like an Australian version. Like as a like life experience of me, 10 years, special operations, but in Australia, mm -hmm. then he got out. He started a series of gyms, <laughs> except he got a little, he had a rougher time with a business partner. And then he started sales sniper after that, which started out as fitness sales sniper, which was just selling gym memberships for people. And he struggled getting that off the ground. I mean, guys, they were making like $37 commission on this stuff, mm. all that. And he had this journey into kind of the more higher ticket world, all of these things. But I'm chatting with Matt. We get along like a house on fire. We think really similarly. He's like, hey, man, what do you think about being part of part of the team over at Sales Sniper and, and moving up into kind of leadership as well? Like you'd still sell full time, but like starting to manage accounts and just being part of that. And it was such a, it was the first time uh, since really I'd started and transitioned out, which has been like nine years at this point, right? When you have great times with guys, you have great times, you know, I help out with a few nonprofits, like those experiences were similar, but it was the first time in business that I was like, oh, it's like being in a team room with a really good team. I was like, and I really thought about it because I, I really did enjoy the role that I was at. I liked the owner a lot, but I was just like, I struggled over it. I was talking to my wife and she's like, you always know what to do. And I was like, oh, that's a non-answer, <laughs> but you're right. Um, <laughs> Damn, you're right, honey. Yeah. Smarter than me. Um, but I was like, yeah, I think I'd, I want to do it. So I ended up going over there and then had a um, move pretty quick, move really escalated quickly. Um, so I started out as like, selling pretty much full-time and then managing one to two accounts. Then I started managing most of the accounts. Then I moved into head of sales. Then I was doing all the sales engineering, building the scripts, the process, everything else for everybody across the board. Um, and, and a lot of this, and I want to give credit where credit's due, like standing on the shoulders of giants. We own a, a large piece of seventh level, Jeremy Miner, his methodology. We applied that. And then I had all Matt's experience up to this point, and we'd grown quite a bit. Right. I think we were doing um, 700 a month when I came in there, maybe 600 a month. I'm not quite sure. And then I think I was like employee number 
50 or something like that, right? Moved up into that, learned from that. He taught me how to do all this stuff. Then I kind of replicated those systems, communication with clients, all of these things, how you kind of navigate all this, like how you train reps, do all this. Like there's a lot to it. And, and I learned from them and, and learned it well enough that I actually had a good enough understanding that I could start to iterate on some of these things to see improvements where I, I thought it made sense. And they gave me just the leash. Man, I was like, yeah, man, I trust you, whatever you think. Okay. <laughs> Never had that before, uh, unless I'm running the company. Mm. I was like, it was so cool. Right. Or mm. you're overseas and you have a really solid leadership team. And they're like, yeah, you're the guy on the ground. What's your thought process? This, this, and this. That's why I want to do this. Yeah, that's fine. Do it. Right. So I had that and then um, started growing all these things. We started doing a lot of M&A work. So mergers and acquisitions, and we did it fucking terribly guys. Those first ones were the just a fucking dumpster <laughs> fire. So I was like, oh, it's a problem. And I was talking to Matt one day and he's like, yeah, I'm not totally sure what we're going to do with them. I was like, well, I don't think he has the time to figure this out. So I will. Um, so I started learning a lot of M&A, going through some M&A courses, London Business School, all this stuff. And then we started doing bigger acquisitions, smarter <laughs> acquisitions because we had a process. It was like retroactively looking back at it. It's like, geez, we were fucking idiots. Thank God we didn't pay any like decent money for those companies like we were <laughs> fucked um but it worked out and then eventually this kind of led into me creating the next level uh layer of management between like the executive team and then the guys that are that are selling full-time created a management training that is still is kind of ongoing that i train all of our people in and then matt eventually hit me up and he was like hey man i've got this kind of crazy thought i was like yeah man what's up he's like I've been doing a lot of strategy and the implementation. He's like, I think I'm more strategy. It's like, what do you think about being the CEO? And we work together and coming up with the strategy and you're making sure that all the day-to-day is happening and that the next level of leadership and the vision's cast. I was like, yeah, I think that makes sense, right? Because there's another founder and it, he was gracious enough to go, yeah, man, I'm, I'm going to step into the CFO role. I think that's right for you. So it's just a little bit of right place, right time, but it was a, it was a insanely fast, insanely fast uh, journey over this. So that all happened within like a year. Wow. Damn. And we have like That's 135 employees at sales sniper. Now it's crazy. You hired from 50 to 150. Yeah. Or 130. Wow. That's a big jump Ooh. in a year. Yeah. Here. We grew like for context, we grew and we were already at a decent rate of growth, but like we grew 6% compounded month over month. Hmm. Wow. And that actually still is not slowed down, but we realized it's unsustainable. We're <laughs> actually slowing it down and going over the next 12 months, it's 4%. That's what we need to be at. Wow. Cause like it will, cause we, it's already, and we, we constantly over infrastructure so we can get up to the next level, but it's happening so fast right now that like some of the infrastructure is still building built from when we thought we were over infrastructure before. And it's just like, Oh, we, we need to, slow this down let's bring some rock stars onto the board like we our president of the board is uh the former uh president of like smirnoff and all their holding companies like billion dollar mm -hmm. company so i'm fortunate enough where i i you know now get to have a meeting with him every every week and pick his brain and he's mentoring me and it's kind of this beautiful thing back and forth um so it's just but again it's four degrees guys it is four degrees from i was in an outlaw motorcycle club or homeless. Mm. Like, and I think the only reason that I had any sort of someone's success was 
was that like I went after what I was passionate about, but the other piece of that, um, it's interesting, right? Like anytime you want to kind of get somewhere you haven't been, you can't make decisions the way you always have. Hmm. There's a quote, um, God, I'm going to butcher it, but, um, <laughs> Einstein, you can't make a decision from the place you're at. I fuck somebody else come up with that. I'm going to find it. You guys keep talking. I'll find it somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I like that a lot. It's like, um, you can't actually be visionary from what you already know. It's, yeah. it's, it's, Otherwise, it's just going to get you to the same place you already have. Yeah. Mm. And that place was okay. Mm-hmm. But I just went, yes, I, I grew up poor shit inside of Detroit, right? Like this is not, this wasn't like, Oh, this is the foreground conclusion for me. Right. It was like, I still talk to my dad and he doesn't know what I do. Mm. Right. Like I talked to my dad and he's like, like I'll kind of explain it. He's like, so what are you doing now? I was like this, this, and this. He's like, okay. Like, Oh, did you catch the Red Wings game the other day? Like, yeah. It's like, it's like that kind of conversation. <laughs> like I remember telling him I was moving into the CEO role and he's, he's like, Oh, that's good. Congrats. And it was like, Oh, he has no idea what I do. So. <laughs> We cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we used when we created them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's that, right. But it goes back to the identity and this goes all the way back to transition, right. Which is, I think in order to kind of, if you want to get someplace that you haven't gone, you can't make the decisions from where you're at today. Mm -hmm. You have to look at like, where do I want to go? Right. What is that next level for me? And the person that's already achieved that mm-hmm. person that's already there in my shoes right now, you put that person, what kind of decisions does that person make? Yep. If it doesn't align to your core values, it's the wrong place. Don't break those. Right. If you're just like, I have no fucking idea how I'm going to get there. It's like, it doesn't matter. What would that person do? You'll figure it out along the way. My favorite quote of all time, this holds too true to today. Go as far as you can see, and then you'll see farther. And mm. it's basically the way I live my entire life, which is like, yeah, cool. I don't totally know how we're going to get there, but I know where I want to go. Yep. It's like, I kind of need to get there next. So like, how do I do that? And it's like, along the way, I'll learn enough and get enough experience, or I'll reach out to people. I'll seek out that experience, or I'll just fucking fail and I'll figure it out. And hopefully it's not catastrophic, right? Mm. And, and you try to make sure you don't make those decisions where it's like, the downside risk is everything implodes and 135 people lose their jobs. Right. Um, you don't make those. And I definitely don't make those decisions anymore, but, um, it's like looking at that and just going, how do I get there? And the answer is like, we have to believe that it's possible. Yeah. Somebody else has done it. Why can't I trust? Yeah. I think that's where most people are stuck too. is like the story they're telling themselves is like, this just isn't possible. And so something that we like to use with our clients is like leverage the people around you. Like all you need is one example. If you, if you yourself haven't done it, fine. Find one example of someone who's done it. That's all you need. Cause it's just showing you like it's 100% possible. Like fuck the stories just, and then take those steps. Like you're saying, like, I think that's where a lot of people also get hung up is they're looking 10 steps down the road. And it's like, yeah, you don't know how to fucking get there. That's okay. Like what's the first step? Take that. Right. And I love your analogy of like, yeah, go as far as you can see and then you'll see further. Like, like, love that's, it. That's a really useful. And I actually, to tie it back to what you said about transition, um, this is something that we 
try to coach vets in and when we're we're really trying to hone this message is um, the transition from the military is a very it's a it's a hard line in the sand and if you can navigate it skillfully it's an unbelievable uh, lifelong power skill I mean it's like one of the core skills to be able to go similar to what you were saying I don't know what I want to do after the military it's fine um, and you keep going to that next edge that next uh, opportunity the next thing you can actually see and sometimes it's not a career thing it's not a business thing sometimes it's like like what we are coaching which is like emotional uh, mental health like understanding like what trauma is and how your how your father taught you how to deal with the world or how your mom taught you how to be with yourself like sometimes you can't eat you have no idea where those areas are and if you can continue to move forward skillfully you're going to be really powerful uh as a human just as a person in the world yeah i would say about half of my i described this actually uh, a couple nights ago i was doing one of the management leadership trainings and i didn't it kind of just rolled off the tongue and you ever say something you're like oh yeah that's true and i was like <laughs> i don't time. know where that came from but i i channel remember that mm-hmm. um <laughs> but i think anytime you're trying to do something that's really hard or perceived hard i think you're going to emotions are going to come up shit mm-hmm. that you didn't even realize was there is going to come up mm-hmm. and i think that's part of that journey i think it's part of the journey of transition it's part of the journey of doing anything hard where kind of this unresolved undealt really non-useful stuff that's inside of us from an emotional standpoint and experiential standpoint comes up it's like well how do you deal with that because the answer of like pushing that back down right it's like uh talladega night you just take that you push that real right like i i did that for years and it was wrong because it was wrong for me because what it did is i was dealing with pushing that down so often it became bigger and i think one of the bigger mistakes from where i i plateaued in business for a little bit is i was just like trying to deal with this stuff but i was pushing it down so much that my capacity let's say i and i've dealt with most of that stuff now like stuff will still pop up but gone through years of unraveling all this shit it's like if you take my capacity at 100 percent now of what it is today i was probably 30 percent back then because i just had not worked through that stuff yet yeah that's a, that's a whole nother podcast right there i'd love to <laughs> pick your brain on that um we're going to honor your time well if you want people to find you where can they find you what are you a cop hey we talk to the veteran community there's a lot of people out there that don't want to be found no uh guys you can just search me for the most part i'm on facebook will hinkson i think i have an instagram account i'm never on it if you want to check out sales sniper sales sniper.net um but in general feel free to shoot me a message i'm pretty open dude uh if you're really bold because we sell a lot now and i'm real into sales process try to sell me your thing in a cold dm on messenger don't tell me the context do it just do it and if you're like should i do it you should do it so just do it do it do it everybody (laughs) oh man that's a good one i love it um will thanks again really appreciate it um yeah thanks for joining us everybody amazing journey yeah you you made you made me laugh the most out of all of our guests so far yes (laughs) winning well thanks for having (laughs) me guys it's been a pleasure